0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Eco Chic, a podcast all about practical science and sustainability. My name is Laura, and I'm a graduate student studying climate science. This podcast is an awesome space to share a lot of things that I take for granted. So like general climate change education or personal sustainability efforts, things that are not necessarily common knowledge, but totally should be. We're going to talk about climate change from a whole bunch of different angles, but also just personal tips on how to be a more responsible citizen of the planet. Last week, we talked all about coffee. I broke down what it means to harbor sustainable coffee habits from the agricultural and social perspectives, and also the value in buying beans with labels like organic, shade-grown, fair trade. If you're interested in some more sustainable, eco-friendly coffee habits, definitely go back and give that episode a listen. Today, we're going to be talking all about energy, literally the fuel for our entire society. Energy is one of those things that we hear about all the time, like from advocacy on for or against particular types of energy. I had a really interesting question posed to me a few months ago. When you plug something into the wall, do you ever think of what's behind the plug? How is that electricity getting to your laptop or phone or whatever you're plugging in? No, like I literally had never thought about that before. It's really wild. Today's episode can hopefully shed a little bit of light on how we're getting our electricity and how that can change in the future. First, let's talk about coal. That's our go-to idea of a non-renewable traditional energy source. Non-renewable, just for some basic clarification, means that there is a finite amount. We're gonna run out at some point and that's gonna be it. So that's when we're talking about fossil fuels. They're called fossil because they're energy sources made from some ancient geological plants or animals. So coal, society's main fossil fuel. Coal is about 30% efficient. So for every 100 tons of coal, about 68 tons are lost just as heat or other energy byproducts through the burning process. The other well-known problem with coal is that we are running out. Yes, we have a lot of coal reserves, I will acknowledge that, but a lot of our reserves are in the Arctic or similarly inaccessible. So yes, it's there, but we can't really use it. Burning coal is a huge, massive contributor to air pollution. It is by far the most significant reason our atmosphere is warming. That's after the Industrial Revolution started. One of the really gross chemicals that coal lets off into the air is sulfur dioxide, which produces acid rain. So the Clean Air Act put limits on the amount of sulfur dioxide that coal power plants can put off. So that's when you hear the term clean coal getting thrown around. So coal from one region with more sulfur is mixed with coal from another region so that it can meet that lower sulfur requirement set by the Clean Air Act. So in theory, it is better, quote unquote, than our original coal burning processes, but it's still the most harmful thing that we can be doing to our planet right now. Natural gas is another kind of non-renewable energy. Essentially, you can think of natural gas as being just like coal, but in a gas form rather than a solid. It's found underground and is relatively easy to get right now because of recent developments and fracking. So natural gas is also, in theory, relatively inexpensive right now, especially compared to coal. Natural gas is actually cleaner to burn than coal because it produces way less particulate matter, sulfur, mercury, all those gross chemicals. It does let off nitrous oxides or NOx, N-O-X, like N-O for nitrous oxide, X subscript, and that leads to smog. So NOx is actually ranked usually as the fourth most harmful chemical that is put off into the atmosphere when it comes to climate change and ozone depletion. So you bring in things like gasoline and diesel, like in cars, and that's an even bigger producer of NOx on a relative level, but we can definitely talk about cars in another episode of the podcast. A renewable energy source is something that can be replenished over and over again. So there's no limit to the amount of energy you can get from that energy source. So the big renewable energy sources that you can think of are sunlight, wind, rain, waves, tides, also geothermal from the earth. We'll talk about that in a minute. When we are talking about renewables, a lot of people ask me what I think the ultimate solution is to this impending energy crisis. Everyone's looking for a quick, clear solution. And guess what? It's not that easy. I really do not believe that there's one single renewable that's going to save the world. Every region has a different ideal renewable energy source. So like solar works in Florida, but is not the best solution for the Pacific Northwest where you only have a handful of sunny days a year. And another reason we should be looking for multiple renewable energy sources is that we need to diversify the grid. All right. So the grid is kind of like saying the cloud. No one really knows what that means, but the term gets thrown around a lot. The grid is essentially our energy pool. We generate electricity from pulling energy out of this pool. We can also think about the grid as like a web system. So this pool of energy and then the web is going to power lines and then eventually to your house. You would want that web to have a lot of little links from energy sources to your home electricity as opposed to one single straight line from just the source to your home. If one link goes down, the other links can make up for it, and we continue to operate our society at a normal level. So this is what it means when the word resiliency gets thrown around in terms of the grid. It means that other energy sources can kind of pick up the slack, and we can continue as per usual using our energy. So let's talk about solar. Solar panels can capture about 30% of the potential solar energy that they're taking in on a given day. So now there are some solar panels that sit at the same angle all day, and there are some solar panels that actually move their tilt throughout the day. So those obviously capture a little bit more potential energy. Solar energy generation is variable by season. So if your panels are covered in snow, they're not capturing as much energy as they are in the summertime. Solar is awesome because it's a really clean energy source. There are no byproducts once you put up the panels. Nothing is being um, given off into the atmosphere once you are taking in the solar power. However, another setback of solar is that panels are actually really water-intensive and other energy-intensive to create. So they're helping capture a really great renewable energy source, but creating those panels themselves doesn't actually use clean energy. This issue of somewhat unpredictable solar power generation that I just briefly mentioned, seasonality, daytime, whatever, this could be fixed if we had really efficient, reliable storage options. But as of right now, April 2018, We currently have no options for batteries that are made out of common or easily recycled material or even cost effective when you're comparing the cost of the battery to the energy that it's actually storing. Let's talk also about wind. Wind turbines can capture anywhere from 40 to 75% of potential wind energy. Obviously, this is also super variable depending on region, season, things like that. And it's impossible to capture 100% of potential wind energy because that would just create a vacuum behind the turbine. But wind is really awesome because, unlike solar, you can capture energy at any time of the day. Wind is probably the most promising clean energy source for a lot of America right now, just because the infrastructure is much less energy intensive to develop than building solar farms or building dams. And wind turbines right now are the most efficient of those renewable energy infrastructures. I'm reading a book right now called Project Drawdown, where these scientists go through a whole bunch of data and identify 100 most effective solutions when it comes to combating climate change, and Wind is actually identified as the number two most effective solution, just based on how cheap the energy is, where we can put it, how realistically quick we can put it up. Um, So wind is going to be a really awesome, promising thing to watch out for in the future, especially in this country. Wind and also solar are credited with actually a lot of bird deaths in the wildlife biology world. Um, So that's also kind of an interesting tidbit to consider. There is also usually some community opposition. People don't necessarily like looking at wind farms right outside their homes, so right now it's pretty limited to rural places. Another renewable energy source that I want to talk about a little bit is hydroelectric. So hydroelectric, there are turbines underwater that are capturing energy that's being generated from moving water. You can theoretically put these in any moving river, so hydroelectric is a really great option for a lot of different regions, whether you're coastal or you just have a river running through your area. In areas that are suitable for dams and hydroelectric turbines, it generally doesn't matter the season or the time of day, water moves at a relatively constant rate. So yes, you can constantly be producing electricity. A big issue here though is that the infrastructure for these turbines is a dam. Dams generally are recommended to be replaced or at least majorly renovated every 50 years or so, which is pretty often if you think about the scale and the amount of work that has to go into these kinds of projects. Dams are also kind of a touchy subject in the geology and wildlife biology worlds because they hold back water, and the water at the base of the dam is significantly colder and different on a nutrient level than a regular flowing river. So this significantly changes the makeup of what kind of fish and plants can live down there. And yes, there are some methods now where they can kind of surge the water through the dam every year or so to kind of mix up the water, where they can attempt to mimic the natural river composition, but that idea really hasn't been perfected at all. I do want to mention just really briefly two energy sources that are often grouped with renewables, biomass and geothermal. So biomass is energy from plants. So generally this comes from burning trees. Generating electricity from biomass does produce some waste products. So CO2 and other chemicals from the incineration process. Obviously it's still a lot cleaner than burning coal or burning natural gas, but it is something to consider that there are byproducts to biomass. Geothermal is also a renewable energy source. This is essentially heat that's been building up the earth's core. It's renewable because we have a constant flow of heat coming out from the center of the planet. Power plants basically drill into the earth and collect steam, and then that steam is used to generate electricity. Compared to putting up solar or wind farms though, it's really expensive to open a geothermal power plant. I didn't wanna get into this too much today just because geothermal is not super common right now on our grid. Um, but it does exist and could be a really great renewable to add more of in the future. Moving forward, a lot of people assume that you need to put up solar panels in your house to be a major part of this change towards renewable energy. Don't get me wrong, putting up solar panels on your house is really awesome. You could get major tax breaks and save serious money in the long run on your electricity bill. However, where do you get your electricity from right now? You're probably not generating your own. You buy electricity through a utility company. So that's where we're gonna be seeing major strides in cleaning up our grid and diversifying our energy resources. Most utility companies right now have some goals set by a governing body. So that's an energy commission or some sort of other public entity. So these are generally publicly appointed officials, totally separate from these private energy utilities, and they're used to keep pricing fair in the market. So they're also setting goals right now for cleaner energy sources. So your electric utility may own coal power plants, but also be investing in wind farms so that X percent of the grid is supplied by that renewable source. These percentages are being increased every year in theory to continue to diversify our grid, make our grid more resilient. We want to be aware of the public officials that we're voting for and also what open bills there might be in our state or in our region based on our energy utility, all in regards to the electric grid. A lot is going on on a state-by-state level across the country on just how many renewables we want to be implementing in the future and how we want our grid to look moving forward. I hope this episode was super informative. I think it's super helpful to have at least some surface level understanding of both renewable and non-renewable energy sources to just effectively participate in conversations about innovation and policy and how we're going to combat climate change. I know I threw a lot of information out there, so as always, I will have a list of references in the show notes and also on my website, lauraedias.com. If you enjoyed this topic, let me know, and we can definitely talk more in depth about efficiency and energy prices and just like the practicalities of changing the grid. Whatever you want to know more about, I am more than happy to talk about. I'm always really happy to chat if you're interested. The easiest way to get in contact with me is via Instagram DM, but you can also definitely shoot me an email through the link in the show notes. It's the contact page through my website. Thank you so much for just the support and good vibes and sharing these episodes with your friends. I really appreciate the opportunity to be a really helpful resource to everyone. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a great day.